0: Today, I am joined by Ukrainian-born violinist, Miroslava Komik. Dr. Komik tours internationally through Europe, the US, Asia, and South America and is a member of the Los Angeles Opera Orchestra and the Las Vegas Philharmonic. Miroslava shares how anyone with creativity and compassion can become a spiritual leader during times of war. We discuss the centuries-long history of Russian aggressors executing Ukrainian artists and appropriating Ukrainian culture. Lastly, Miroslava gives advice on how we as creative individuals can share our own unique talents to better the health of our societies. This episode of Loose Leaf Notebook is supported by New Music USA and featured on New Music Box. Hi,
1: Miroslava. Hi. Nice to see you, Julia. Where are you right now? I'm in California. I like to say that at this point um, I'm half Ukrainian, half American because I've spent exactly half my life in Ukraine and half my life here. So how how are you doing? Uh, all things considered, um, I am starting to get um, grasp on what uh, needs to be done and what my personal role in the overall ongoing situation is and should be and can be. Um, and other than that, just taking it uh, really a day, an hour at a time. As you know, things are really unstable um, on a global level, but personally, it's also a very unstable situation. We're just uh, keeping track of what's happening and offering as much support as as possible to family and friends who
0: are currently um, in Ukraine and dealing with everything firsthand. So you do have um, family and friends who are there now?
1: Yeah. Um, I'd say everybody is there um, my parents happen to be here, but uh, everybody else is there because um, that's where home for them is and um, It really is Even hard to think about leaving for most of them. Most people don't want to leave. They are at home and they want to stay but many people of course are displaced and they're disturbed it doesn't even begin to cover it so your parents just happened to be visiting you when yeah yeah they they're um, they not there so they just happened to be here yeah it was definitely providence and uh we're super thankful for this because they're older and at this time crossing the board is absolutely um I can't say impossible, but it's very difficult at the moment because there's so many refugees trying to flee and trying to move and find a place to go.
0: There's obviously a couple of routes we could go. Um, I want to hear how you're coping, but I also feel like there's a lot you want to say about how artists can step up, how we can help, what we can do. I kind of want to leave it up to you like what would you like to talk about next <laughs> i mean it's all interconnected honestly uh,
1: because if we talk about what artists can do it is directly connected to how we as artists deal with global issues like when we talked about the pandemic how how did we deal with that it, it was a very um, insightful time for all of us and and uh, dealing with the war is more disruptive yes with the pandemic we couldn't be 100 percent in control but at least it was something that everybody was uniting on uh tackling together and here with with this uh, invasion basically first of all i want to clarify that it is not a conflict it's not even a really kind of war um it's a, it's a really barbarian invasion disruption of peaceful life um, on a global scale um, but as far as what uh, what is the artist's role i guess it's it's a it's a very deep subject and i really liked uh, hearing your thoughts about it too because um I am Ukrainian, and so it affects me uh, quite deeply because I come from this heritage and I mm-hmm. I grew up in it, and I have my personal experiences. Um, but also, I am uh, curious to see how it affects people who maybe don't have such close relationship with this, and um, they're more uh, on the observing mm-hmm. uh, point. That at this time, and in my uh, qu- thinking and questioning of, you know, the entire state of humanity right now, I'm also wondering how does it affect the artists that are maybe not directly uh, connected to this, and yeah. what what would they want to say
0: or do at this time? Just to share personally, you know, for me um you know i'm jewish my family is originally russian mm-hmm. polish um and we immigrated my family immigrated you know in the early 1900s end of the 1800s so mm-hmm. you know we fled russian aggression a very long time ago right. and under very different circumstances i do see what's happening in the ukraine as a genocide and it is, I don't know if, if you would call it that. Absolutely, I agree. I agree with that word. And it's not the first one. There's been other uh, instances of, of Russia trying to, to wipe out Ukraine. It It hits home in different ways, right? It's obviously not as immediate and visceral and hour to hour and day to day as it may be for you. I can go for a period of time without it being on my mind, um, which I imagine you can't at this, at this point in time, or it's hard, um, mm-hmm. but I do have visceral memories, other traumatic memories that it triggers. You know, it reminds me of 9-11 or the pandemic, or, you know, I mean, we all experience threat to our humanity. Yeah. um in some way. So that is very insightful
1: and um interesting that you uh, brought up the the point of sort of a reference, right? Because you come from the background that is directly related to this history. Maybe right now you don't have relatives there uh, that are directly affected, but you definitely Um, understand the depth of it and, um, um, I'm glad that you did bring, um, this word genocide, because, um, from what I'm observing, um, a lot of people, unfortunately, even uh, mass media is not uh, really equipped always to, to truly pinpoint it to that and that goes back to how the history shaped in the past and on top of it all in the past eight years because when when the annexation happened that already have crossed so many lines and um it wasn't red flags enough for the global society to be really um concerned in a real way so it is sometimes hard to communicate um, the depth of Ukrainian uh, um, struggle and the struggle starts, of course, centuries before. But you're right that this genocide that's happening today is not the the first genocide. 1933, a lot of people really are unaware, but it's really an important piece of puzzle to consider is the holodomor, which is um basically ukrainian word for death by hunger and it happened in uh, two years basically 1932 33 when um over 10 million ukrainians were killed by artificially uh, created hunger and those who didn't die uh with their own death were shot um, just uh, executed um these atrocities that were happening have been sort of dormant in a way. And now they're coming out in so many ways. And what is our role as um, uh, musicians and artists um, here? I personally can speak to what my uh, uh, mission has been ever since I moved here. Because when I first moved here, quite literally, I had to explain people where Ukraine was on the map. Yeah. Uh, people were unaware of uh, this country whatsoever. Um, I had to not only educate people geographically, but also historically. And so I considered myself to be an ambassador of Ukrainian music here on the West Coast. To me, it was important to um, let people hear these um, about these composers that are never talked about, you know? And I have discovered that there was even um, quite a few musicologists that weren't aware of how really this music fits into the uh, global scale of classical music. Why culturally it is important for Ukrainians specifically to fight fight against the propaganda of Russia That this culture is not an independent culture is because the number one area of execution, I would say, would come through uh, getting rid of uh, any intellectual elite, any of the cultural elite, any sort of spiritual leadership, Russian propaganda was working to rid of and uh, always promote the idea of ukrainian language ukrainian culture um being non-existent and so when you grow up with this kind of narrative that your culture is always under threat of uh, being um, annihilated quite literally because if there's oh tons and tons of examples of artists and um uh, writers, poets, um, uh, composers being executed and just because they were using their own language to write works, mm-hmm. and just because they were expressing the love for their um, country, for their country um, and culture, and for their people through the means of just their own language. Uh, whether it's a literal language or a musical language or you know any kind of creativity language
0: When did that start that kind of targeting of artists in the Ukraine?
1: Um, it's it actually started in Tsarist Russia, so even before Soviet Union so all the philosophers and the best uh, Ukrainian talent was um, sent to be trained in Russia, because of course, the, there were no opportunities in Ukraine as a country for um, culture to de- to be developed. And even if people would try to develop it there, it was always squashed. And nevertheless, um, as you can see now, uh, the, the upside of it is that the Ukrainian spirit was always extremely resilient. We do have a, a very deep cultural heritage and a lot to share with the world. And now finally that the world is paying attention and listening and helping us um, talk about this,
0: I think this is the time to get to know it better. Culture and creative expression is so much at the heart of, of our vitality. You know, it, it seems like it's quite a strategic move for you know Russian invaders to target cultural leaders first yeah. or spiritual le- leaders that you, as you said, because it sort of takes away our hope. That that is the, the heart of it all. Yes, and you know we learned so much in school about Russian culture and just Eastern mm-hmm. European influence on classical music. Um, So so are there a lot of Ukrainian uh, composers who are also overlooked or who are maybe appropriated by Russian culture? Oh, tons. And
1: you know yourself that uh, um, half of the so-called Russian composers and Russian artists were born in Ukraine. And again, uh, they they were born, they were brought up in Ukraine, many of them with pure Ukrainian roots, many of them are Jewish roots. And, um, uh, but they were always pushed out and pushed into the uh, framework of Russian or Soviet. Like my personal favorite um, violinist of all times, Oistrov, he comes from Odessa. You know, Stravinsky was tightly connected to Western Ukraine but if we talk about like specifically ukrainian composers of course it's it's an entire history of ukrainian music those uh, composers like lysenko revage many names that I'm actually uh, working on putting even on my site. I always work on uh, proposals to fellow conductors that can use uh, this repertoire now probably with more meaning.
0: So, I mean, this gives me some more context to, you know, when I see videos of of people playing Ukrainian folk songs yeah. in these war zones, you know, it's what you've shared with me gives me a deeper understanding of that being, you you know really a revolutionary statement absolutely yeah and
1: even um um i feel like it's um a bit bittersweet to say but by now ukrainians have a lot of training in how to mobilize in crucial times like these of course it is in in this horrific uh circumstances But if anything, people only grew stronger.
0: So how are you doing? How are you keeping yourself functioning on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis?
1: That's a very good question. Um, Well, first of all, uh, speaking of training, uh, we did have a good training during the pandemic to deal with extraordinary circumstances. So I, um, um, frankly, I do apply a lot of the things that I have discovered already over the pandemic, what I have discovered that is very helpful is, um, support system and, um, quite specifically it's, it's a support of a mu- music network that I have, uh, which is, we even started our own initiative right now which is a global musicians initiative to support Ukrainian refugees. And this idea of applying yourself and feeling like you can actually make a a little bit of a difference in someone's life is really helpful. Um, and of course, like on my own personal level, um, of course, the, the first few weeks have been complete chaos. Uh, my my routine that I love in the morning like having a cup of coffee or uh, doing my yoga going for a run uh, when when out completely even just psychologically it was impossible for me to enjoy a simple cup of coffee because you start feeling guilty that you know your brothers and sisters are basically dying right now being bombed they don't have a place to sleep they're in bomb shelters instead of their warm beds so um it actually is very damaging it's very easy to go and spiral and spiral down that path um little by little um oh and also to (laughs) to hold an instrument in that time was completely out of the question for me um Luckily, I have to say the fact that I had some concerts scheduled, important concerts that were solo performances, and I just couldn't, uh, you know, just back out. I was forced to, little by little, do the job that I'm supposed to do. The fact that I had an opportunity to reach to the people through this language, it really changed my own perspective you know, um, it just was this shift that I needed a little push, of course, from the outside circumstances that I needed um, in order to, um, to use this language that I know best to give it life and to promote life and to encourage life is what we can do. But what I like to say, it doesn't matter what The voices of what your talent is. Each one of us has a unique way of doing something. And the key point is to actually use that voice in your own unique way and do something, whatever it may be.
0: And so how do you know if you're doing something that's helpful or doing something at all? What do you mean by that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do I know? I think, me and everybody else will know if we're doing something if we're genuinely making it a point to express what it is that we uh wish to see saying something doing something in the smallest form influences i'm a big believer in that it has a power to influence the outcome in the biggest ways that we can't uh, see right now Um, Mm -hmm. it's like adding small drops of water into the ocean and becoming a wave (laughs) can you tell me more about the support network that you have actually started during the pandemic we have done a lot of projects i can say together even some of us have haven't met even in person some of these uh, colleagues of mine are in uh, poland on the border physically helping. And uh, now it's grown into the initiative to focus on helping musicians who need relocation. Uh, we are giving safe op- opportunities, especially when it comes to housing. Uh, somebody knows somebody who wants to help a musician or a musician's family, um, whether it's for a temporary stay or more long term opportunity. So we're basically are creating this umbrella uh, initiative to coordinate information and to coordinate people. We're also seeking musicians who may not know that there are these opportunities. We just try to find as many matches as possible. And are you looking for New members? Can people still join? This issue? Uh, anybody? Yeah, anybody can, uh, come and help. And um, whatever comes to mind or comes to um, to your attention, you can just go ahead on the um, on the website and either register by yourself on the form, or you can reach out to one of us. And there are um, there's information with our names. Those who are the ambassadors of the project. Um, by time zones too because if somebody needs a uh, quick help they need to be available i just have a lot of hope that um, this will um come to the end that the, of course the violence will come to the end as soon as possible but also like any um storm we also have um silver linings to it and I do hope to, to help with that aspect as much as possible.
0: What do you see as the possible future silver linings? There, there's a few.
1: Uh, number one, I think, um, sadly, under these circumstances, but um, all in all, people are aware of this important um, European uh, piece of history and culture that have, has been neglected for a long time. Um, but more importantly, I think it's a big wake up call, um, to all of us, um, in the free world on many aspects, what we should pay attention to, first of all. Um, how do we um, nurture our younger generations? Um, What is their attitude to what's going on in the world? Do they care? You know, all these questions I ask myself and just, just from observing how we as a global society respond to things like that, what are these areas that we need to urgently focus on?
0: So how does an artist fit into this landscape?
1: For me personally, a short answer would always be education and educate with what you you can. We always talk about educating um our future audiences because we want to make the classical music relevant right <laughs> right But at this point, I feel like it's not just about classical music being being relevant but more about the message that we carry as uh, creatives that has to be relevant what is that message spirituality i think humanity and all of the other components love and everything that we talk about compassion it all comes down to your uh, principles and your level of spirituality and how you understand and how you
0: approach it so you see artists as spiritual leaders? Absolutely, yeah. Artists, um, leaders, yeah. So, oh, not just artists, so any kind of, any any creative person?
1: Yes, people who are dedicating their time to bring their vision and to
0: bring the world
1: through their prism. Mm-hmm. So you Thank can be
0: creative, uh, you know, even if you don't have a job as an artist, you can still be a creative spiritual worker
1: i think if you are truly dedicated to it yes absolutely in the past few years i think we see it more than ever that um what you do for living really doesn't define who you are right and it it, neither it should because we any human being has such a broad capacity to be so many things there's no reason to put yourself in any kind of uh, restrictions.
0: Right, and that's not what we learn in conservatory. Right, that's right. true. <laughs> I
1: always have more interest in just uh, music because I've been blessed with having some really. Um, amazing mentors and uh, teachers in the past that taught me to not only focus on music, but really focus on developing yourself as a broad human being. You have to know how, uh, how even a musical aspect of this project or another, how does it fit on, on a bigger scale, um, whether it's history or any current issues that you're dealing with. It's, it's a direct reflection of what we're dealing with on an everyday basis.
0: In conservatory, we learn a lot about art for art's sake, right? And art sort of existing in this bubble. What is your response to that idea? Um, it's
1: a very good question. And right now I think it's coming to its importance more than ever because there are some artists that are just saying that um, I just want mm. to do my music or do my art and not. I'm not a politician, and I'm not interested in politics. And there are some that are making it highly political issue, of course. What my personal um stand of on this is is first of all, <laughs> politics as a general understanding of the word has to do with how you fit in the community where you live and in society where you live. That is actual definition of quality. What it comes down to in my mind is that artists cannot be removed from this society and from the moment in history that they're a part of. They just can't. Most of um, the artists and the creatives that we respect today have shown more than once that they never stood aside. They always had their principles that made them who they are. And that is why they had such strong voice. It all comes down to why and why, what just know your why. Mm -hmm. a person who cannot define their, why does not have a clear path. When we realize what that why is, For each one of us, I think it becomes more clear why we can't stand aside history.
0: What if your why seems to be unrelated to the world around you? What if your why is, you know, I need to make art because it's like a feeling inside me that I have to get out or I can't sleep if I don't, you know, (laughs) if I don't express myself or I think it's really fun or, I mean, are those uh do you count those as whys i do actually because even if we
1: have a a very simple thing as an example like i like to paint flowers there is a deeper need of why i need uh, why i like painting flowers is because i love the beauty why are you so connected to the beauty if you really uh, dig deeper and look inside and why do we need to look inside ourselves uh, it comes back to what we said at the very beginning is we let um, other people in on our inner world and we first need to understand our inner world and of course it's impossible to fully understand everything but at at the very least it's important to
0: know uh, what are those important things to me is being an artist in your opinion enough? Are you involved in sort of the work of humanity just by being an artist? Or do you think that there is a further uh, obligation to be involved maybe in a more direct or practical way?
1: I'd say that it would be up to each individual to decide what their own strengths are. If we don't know a ourselves, then nobody can really give us direction because we, we know the best, what our fortes are, right? right, What our talents are, and I know a lot of musicians um, who are not doing music right now, but instead are um, actually traveling to Ukraine and Poland to help in the most direct way you can imagine. On the other hand, I know musicians who are. Um, doing a lot of fundraising here through their music and through promoting Ukrainian music right now um, and inspiring others to do their best work, whatever it may be. To be a creative definitely means um, being more aware than just what we do um, with the
0: heat of music and with our instrument. And I think everybody has their beautiful ways to do it. So that practicing your art is a way of showing compassion for others or giving others the tools for compassion.
1: Yeah, and if you think that it's the best uh, way to do what you can in in this particular direction, then
0: it's the way to go. So what advice would you give to Americans who are maybe less connected to uh what's going on in the ukraine what i would like
1: i guess to wish for all of us um is to um, promote less division and more unity on the level of uh, compassion because when we try to only approach something from our own perspective from our own background of experiences it sometimes may be difficult to really um, find that middle ground of how to feel more united. And this is not just about the ongoing situation in Ukraine. This is my uh, conclusion generally on a over the past years. uh, My general wish is to um, learn more and more and apply and learn how to apply every day the practice of compassion and encouraging younger generations to practice and learn compassion. And more specifically about what's happening in Ukraine, uh, we need to remember that um, we're all Ukrainians today. It doesn't matter what um, flag we live live under, but the principles that we are standing for are principles of freedom. And um, you don't need to justify um, with any kind of treaty or a piece of document to know that when your fellow is suffering, it is your direct responsibility to Get involved on more specific levels of course I can say that um, educating yourself on the subject is very important because there was a lot of misinformation right. and that misinformation is used in many ways to to, uh, to feed this uh, horror but um, but the bottom line is
0: uh, remember that it's all of us So if listeners want to find you, listen to you play or um, contribute to your initiative, get involved, um, how can they find you? Um, I'm most active on
1: my uh, Instagram. So social media is the fastest way to reach me if you have um, any kind of... um, Uh, questions, especially about what we're doing right now. Um, I'm constantly sharing information there. Um, My website is of course just more general. I don't know, it's not that easy to spell my name, but... um, And write it down. Yeah, it's M-Y-R-O-S-L-A-V-A, K-H-O-M-I-K is my last name. Um, And um, because it's so unique, let's say, you can't go wrong with just finding me on either one of those social media platforms.
0: Well, thank you so much for making the time to do this and for sharing so much today. Thank you. It's easy to feel helpless and despairing during times of war. And I am so grateful to Miroslava for her strength and for joining us today to share her thoughts on how we can tap into our own unique voices and individual strengths in order to help ourselves and to help others. So, thank you, Miroslava, and thank you for listening. This episode of Loose Leaf Notebook is supported by New Music USA and featured on New Music Box. Thank you for listening to Loose Leaf Notebook. I'm Julia Adolf, and the music you are hearing is my orchestral work, Dark Sand Sifting Light performed by the New York Philharmonic with Alan Gilbert conducting. If you'd like to hear some more of my music, you can visit my website at juliaadolph.com or my YouTube channel, which also has video versions of all of these podcasts. Thanks again!